Okay, happy Monday, everybody. <clears throat> happy Monday to everybody. Hope everybody enjoyed their weekend. Uh, we also, you know, in this podcast, we give we give thanks to the people that's out there on the front line working in healthcare, anything that's related to frontline jobs. If you work on the front line, you are you are, or if you're deemed essential, thank you, thank you for um for keeping this community up, for keeping the country up. Keeping us up to date, uh, all the doctors and scientists that that's all hands on in this coronavirus battle pandemic. Thank you guys very much. We are we are getting through this. We are getting through this. So you already know what we have up today. Michael Jordan doc NFL draft this week. This is a big week. Um, I'm, I'm going to react, I'm going to react, and I'm going to give you my take on what I thought about the Michael Jordan doc, I think it was great overall, we're going to talk about it, parts one and two, with the, with the think, uh, with the think about and with the look for, for from parts three and four this upcoming Sunday, um, cannot wait, let's go, to, let's get it started. <clears throat> course only right to start it off with that only right to start it off with that everybody or i don't know about everybody but i was certainly tuned in at nine o'clock eastern time for the michael jordan doc the last dance documenting the bulls that the second three the second three peat bulls team that final season i was uh i i was very impressed with the doc i think it's a really good doc um, even if you're not into basketball, sports, uh, I think it's just a good doc in general, uh, just to learn some new things. But I, I, this this was a great documentary, and I think this is where I think it, it, I, it, you know I talked about it on Friday, the end of the week off last week, where I basically said, hey, this doc it's gonna show you a different type of basketball player. It, it, like LeBron, like you know, I know the comparisons between LeBron and Jordan are, hey, you know, like I said, from both from both perspectives, they have great arguments. I think Jordan's the goat, but from both perspective, from both spectrums, great arguments. But what I said was on Friday, you're gonna see a totally different guy. Le- Michael just has a different makeup, and that's what you saw all throughout this doc. He had a different makeup about himself. Um, and, and we're gonna. I mean, like, this is this is definitely we're definitely gonna dive in and do a deep dive on how on how Jordan became Jordan. Because um, I know this is particularly an argument, but I think I've ran over this this I've ran over this argument before or that take before. You know, talking about how Jordan became Jordan. How he became Jordan with uh, with North Carolina and the game when he shot his freshman year against Georgetown. Now <clears throat> he talked about that. I like and, and I like the sequencing of the uh, the doc as well. I like how they went into who you know who Jordan was. You know, gave you the backstory. I think um, I think too much like Jordan's uh, uh, the high school story where he was he got cut from his high school team his sophomore year. I think people feed into that too much. Like okay, he he was he he was a little undersized for his position. He got cut from the varsity team. So 
I think that I think people give that a little bit too much play because he was still a he was still a McDonald's all well it's he was still a all all American coming out of high school. Um, it's now called McDonald's All American, and it, it, it and he went to one of the best programs, if not the like if not the most prominent program at that time in North Carolina, and was coached by the great Dean Smith. So I think that uh, I think that aspect is somewhat over talked about. Um, is overrated. Is it's people have uh, dragged that out. That they have dragged that point out so many times. Um, so I, I you know, but I did like the sequencing. Uh, when and I saw it on you know all throughout last week, the headlines was. Uh, when Jordan went on to talk Good Morning America, when Jordan went on Good, Good Morning America, he was saying, "Hey, he's gonna be a, he's gonna the, the the doc is gonna make him look like a bad guy." Um, I didn't get that. I think everything from I mean, at least from parts one and two, uh, it, it portrayed Jordan as a guy that cared about basketball and winning. That, that, that with with good morals and they come from a great background. That's what that's what parts one and two. Uh, displayed to me, it, it, you know, it showed me that he uh the, the leadership qualities. It showed me him wanting to win. It showed me that he was all in about basketball. Um, I, that that the, the competitive drive, the competitive nature. That's what I took from part one and part two, as far as Jordan's uh, as far as, far as his evaluation and his character, quote unquote. I don't think that took a, a necessarily big hit. I, I didn't think that was. I thought, if anything, if you looked at Jordan as a bad guy, quote unquote, off the floor, if you looked at him as being one of the bad guys off the floor, um, that, parts one and two of the documentary really don't support that. It, it really doesn't support that. It, it supports a class act. Um, guy with a lot of class, um, come from class, hardworking background, like I said already. Um, yeah, and and also another thing uh, with this with this doc, I also I, I I knew most of the facts with in parts one and two with about Jordan's come up and where he's from and how you know became Jordan, North Carolina to Chicago and why Chicago drafted him, the signature shoes. Um, the historic playoff, the two back-to-back historic playoff games against Boston. I, 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 to, I told you guys, and I said this, and I talked about this last week, or it was, it was, when we was talking about LeBron and Jordan, well, no, I was on live. I was on live, and I was doing Q&As. I was on live, and I was saying, Jordan, and I was talking about, like, how great Jordan was even before he went in titles, because that was my whole, that was my whole point. I said Jordan was the was the best player in the mid nineties in the mid eighties. He from from the mid eighties from eighty from about eighty six eighty seven to the late nineties. His last year in Chicago, Jordan was by far the best player in basketball, and it wasn't even close. Even even in in, in, in when I and what did I say? I said the perception back in the eighties, Larry Bird was the best player in basketball, which is correct. Larry Bird was coming off of three back-to-back-to-back, back-to-back-to-back MVP titles, had already won championships against the Lakers, against the Rockets. He was revered as the best player in basketball, and even Larry Bird said, no, Michael Jordan was, Jordan was by far the most talented player. Magic Johnson was saying, Jordan's the most talented player. So that so that 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 adds a little bit to my point a little bit because I I I've been said I said hey Jordan was even when he wasn't winning titles and and you know people and bad they you know people usually bash on Jordan uh, when they when they're trying to use the counter argument that he Jordan didn't win nothing without Scotty and Phil you're right absolutely right did not win uh, did, did not win nothing without Scotty and and Phil Jackson but um. He was still, you could tell, he was the best player on the floor. Even in a losing effort, even when his teams lost uh, playoff games, playoff series, he was still by far the best player on the floor. And you could tell that. You could tell just with his dominance. So so, so with this whole Jordan thing and the, the Bulls thing with the all-time team, it's, it's, to me, 
I don't even. It's not even a debate who it, who's the greatest team ever. It's it's not even a debate. It's not even up for argument. Um, you can put you can match up. I think you know a great matchup would be uh, the Durant and Steph and and Clay Thompson Warriors. But uh, if you tell me that we're playing hand we're, that you know we're playing in the Bulls era in the nineteen nineties Bulls era, uh, I'm gonna take that team. Uh, now we're playing in this era. It's a little bit different. The game is a little bit more. It's different. It's you know officiated much differently. The game is much different now. But if you're saying we're playing those rules that they played with, I'm taking that '90s team, though, though that second three P team over any team, in, 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 over any team in the era. That's just me. Uh, I, I, I we talked about they had the best player. They probably had the second best player in the game. Um, they had the best coach, Phil Jackson. They had the best rebounders, the best defenders. I talked about Ron Harper on Friday. People don't people I mean th- those are the type of guys that they had. Ron Harper in the 80s when he played for the Cavaliers was a guy that can put up 20 points per night and he was an all-star with the Cavs. He was a, in the 80s Ron Harper was an all-star. On that 90s Bulls team, that second three peat, that second three that second three peat team, he was what, the fourth option? He was the fourth option? So I, it's by far the best team. Um, now with Jerry R- R- Reisendorf, uh, with, J- with Jerry Reisendorf, uh, I'm, 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 we're going to talk about we're going to talk about both Jerry's. <laughs> we're going to talk about both Jerry's. But with Jerry Reisendorf, I went to his Hall of Fame enshrinement in 2016. Uh, that was uh, that was my ninth. I think it was my ninth grade year. I went to his basketball enshrinement. That was a great class with uh, Cheryl Swoops, uh, Shaq, Yao Ming, Allen Iverson, Tom Izzo. That was a great class. He was in a great class. Uh, now, let's talk about what Jordan had to overcome. I, with, now, some new facts that were presented to me last night uh, do, throughout the doc. I, before, pre-Jordan, I didn't, I didn't know the Bulls were bad. The Bulls were awful. I didn't know that they were that bad where an inner-city soccer team was outselling them in tickets. I did not know an inner-city soccer team was outselling the Chicago Bulls, the early 80s, late 70s Chicago Bulls. I did not know that. So that was, um, that was some new information that was given to me that I saw on the dock. Did not know that. Pre-Michael Jordan, the Bulls... The Bulls had less attendance. They had less fans than an inner city soccer team. Did not know that. Now, the front office, uh, with, let's start with Jerry Rizendorf. Jerry is a Jerry, Jerry is a baseball guy. Jerry is a baseball guy. He won, he, you know, he, the White Sox, South Side Chicago, White Sox. He, got, he, he owned the White Sox. He owned the White Sox, and then he hired uh, Jerry Curse. He, he hired Jerry Curse. Jerry Curse was also a baseball scout. So, and, and this is and this is my argument to this day. Some guys just don't know basketball. The owners just don't know basketball, and, and, and NFL. Some of these NFL owners don't watch college football. They they you know they might watch the college football playoff, and they're like, oh yeah, I like that guy. You didn't even see this guy play in November, October, all of a sudden, January. You like this guy. But he was a baseball guy. And Jerry Curse was a baseball guy. And and we, I think we all, I don't know if we talk about this, but that, somewhere down the road, you can go back and listen to a, a, some podcasts ago. But when we're talking, in, in the game of basketball, in the NBA, it's always been a player-driven league. It's been a player-driven league. If you have two... Uh, if you have two all-stars, you're going to be good. If you have two all-stars, you're going to be good and you're going to be fine. You're going to win games in this league. When, Le- when, when they announced LeBron and AD together, I said, okay, the Lakers are definitely, definitely going to win games. Are they going to win a title? Let's see. Because we got to see what they can put. We got to see what the Lakers front office put around LeBron and AD. But with LeBron and AD, you're going to win games regardless. You're going to win regular season games without a shot of a doubt. But with 
with baseball, it's a little bit different. The baseball, you're, you're, it's much more reliant on your GM. The GM is, plays a much more critical role in, ba- in the game of baseball, in the sport of baseball, in the MLB, than um, it plays in, in the NBA. You drive two superstars, you're fine. All you got to do is put the right supporting pieces, the right supporting cast, and the right coach around them. You're going to win games, and you'll probably, be a title, you'll probably be a title contender for years to come. Simple. Well, Jerry Curse, ego. Um, the, the e- ego was a big factor. Ego, and I always talk about it, egos, all, egos is always a deciding factor of, of, of breaking dynasties. Look at, look, at, look at all the great dynasties that went away. It's all because of egos. Cowboys, Jerry Jones, early 90s. Ego. Jerry Jones, ego. Wants the credit. Uh, Chicago Bulls. They, I mean, if, 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 if Jerry Krause wasn't so egotistical into his ego, and I know he's, uh, he's passed away, so I, he, he, I, all throughout social media last night after the doc went off, he received a lot of hate. And the, the guy is, the, the guy is, um, is dead. So... So, but um, but he he had an ego problem. He was de- he was definitely very egotistical. He um he had the need, he had the, the desire, the thirst for credit, and to 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 some point, rightfully so. He drafted Michael Jordan. He was able to pull off the trade for Scottie Pippen. He was able he was he was able to draft Horace Grant. He was able to make the right decision for the team. In trading Charles Oakley, now Charles Oakley was a great piece that the Bulls had, but they needed bigs. They needed a big. They traded Charles Oakley for Bill Cartwright. So, so I do give him some. I do give him some leeway, some credit, some partial credit for at least building the team and hiring Phil Jackson and building the team. But come on. Jordan, Scotty, if you don't have Jordan and Scott, you're not winning rings. If you don't have Phil Jackson, you're not winning rings. So just the thirst for credit and, and just the thirst for um, attention and credit and, and, you know, that, you know, feeding your ego, bad, bad on, it's bad on his behalf, on his behalf. Now, I think the owner, Jerry Rizendorf, I think he, um, in his, in his interview last night, when he, when he was talking, um, of course, he he's able to spin his story. He's able to spin his story to uh, to be to be a to be a well liked figure. To be a figure where it's like ah, oh, he's not the bad guy. Jerry Jerry Krause is the bad guy. Jerry Rizendorf not the bad guy. He's he's he, you know he had he had the ultimate power to even tell Jerry to to, to tell Jerry Krause, hey, you know, we're not making that decision. We're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna make that trade. We're, we're not gonna make that trade. But Jerry Rizendorf last night, he had the ability to switch and um, spin his story. Jerry Krause didn't because <laughs> he's dead. So he, di- he, di- he didn't have that ability. So I think that's a little bit of, the, uh, that's a little bit of an advantage for, the, for Jerry Rizendorf, the owner of the Bulls. Uh, I thought that was a little bit, he used that a little bit to his advantage to spin the story. But just looking at what Michael um, Scotting, what Phil Jackson had to overcome um, in the wake of being under, a, I mean, if you're looking, if, if you looked at the doc last night, the first two parts, it's a toxic, it's a chaotic front office. It's a it's a it's a it's a chaotic front office, and to overcome such laps is re- it, that, that 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 that's amazing in itself. And you just think if the front office, if you're winning championships, if you have the if you have the most dominant player on your team, if you probably have you probably have the most the second most dominant player on your team and the best coach, why try to rebuild? I never understood that. Why try to rebuild? Rebuild for what? You're winning championships. You're winning titles. And I thought they could have easily won another title if if Jerry Cross wanted to keep that that core group together. They could have easily won another title. Because look at look who came out of the East after the Bulls broke up. The Knicks. <laughs> just look at just look at just look at who came out of the East. The Knicks came out of the East. So they could have easily Gotten back to the finals and won another title. I, I think I, I, 
easily. So I I did not understand Jerry Cross. Well, I did. I do understand because he wanted to sh- he wanted to show that hey, it's not a it's not a particular set of group of players that win titles. It's the GM. It's the front office. It's your executives. It's it's those guys in the front office that pull strings that win you titles. And in the NBA, that's just not that's just not true. It helps to have a great front office, but it's just not true. I, I, I see it with a lot of teams. Look at look at the look at look at the Cleveland Cavaliers 2016. They have a great front office. Front office what front office is not great. Front office is not great. They have a great front office. Dan Gibbs is not a great owner. Still won a title. They have LeBron and Kyrie. So so I don't I, I did not understand Jerry Krause's premise. In his posi- in his position, his position, his position with uh, wanting to rebuild and blow everything up, and Jerry, and Jerry Rosendorf, the owner, he comes in and he says, "Hey, as long as we got Michael Jordan, we're 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 in a t- we're in a win we're in a win now mode." So I, I I didn't he and maybe he spun that that's and maybe that could be one example where he probably spent his story, but neither here or there. But that that's just that just signifies that just it's it's real significant with what this team did, what this core group did. Um, I think Phil got some extra brownie points last night with happening. Let's look at all the things that Phil dealt with. Phil was also under, everybody's talking about Scotty being underpaid, and rightfully so. Scotty was like I said, Scotty was probably the second best wing in basketball and was the second best wing in basketball for a very long time. And he was getting paid chump change. Chump change. Seven years, $18 million. Chump change. That's about 2.2. Chump. Chump change. Not great money. But Phil was getting massively over underpaid as well. He was because he, he, he was by far the best coach in basketball. And then you look at what he had to deal with, not just coaching. It's just, it's just not X's and O's and teaching the triangle. No. He had to deal with all the personalities on the team. Rodman, Jordan, Scott. You had to deal with you had to deal with all the personalities. You had to deal with just being the the just being the Chicago Bulls and having a target on your back because you're winning so much. And then you had to deal with the fact that you were not coming you 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 were not coming back for another year. This was your last year. And to deal with a chaotic uh, front office, I think Brent, I, th- I think Phil definitely earned some brownie points in, in most, and in, it, it should be in everybody's eyes, but at least in my eyes, Phil definitely trended upward with, uh, with all, you know, seeing what all he had to deal with, not just coaching the team, because Phil had to do more than coach. He had to, you know, manage egos, manage different personalities, manage stars, and he, does, he did a great job at it. He, he, he did a great job at it. It was a great doc. I can't wait for part three and four um, up next Saturday, next Sunday, excuse me. But uh, I think I think three, I think three is going to be talking about Dennis Rodman, the Bulls, and what what he did during the Bulls, what, what he did during his Bulls years. Uh, so I cannot wait to see that. That was well put together. Like I said, it's a doc that you should tune into, even if you're not interested in sports. It's a great doc. It's very monumental. Uh, I'll be back on the other side. Um, I'm going to talk some NFL draft, and then we bounce right back. Think we'll bounce, we'll bounce right back to this Michael Jordan thing. We're going to talk about some dynasties as well. <clears throat> So, 
Joe Burrow, I know he's 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 supposed to be the projected number one overall pick. Uh, I probably have I probably haven't even seen a mock draft where he is not going number one. Uh, I've seen different comparisons and play style. Um, most of them I don't agree with. Uh, I do agree with uh, Bucky Brooks. His uh, his he came out with his quarterback ranking uh, as far as he came out with his positional ranking, and at quarterback he uh he 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 listed his quarterbacks, and I thought it was interesting that he had Joe Burrow at two, and I completely agree as a talent. Now I know from perspective uh, with injuries with Tua, there's a question mark. I understand it. Okay, I get it. Um, I, there, there is a question mark with his injuries, but when I look at Joe Burrow and this is why I agree with Bucky books. And now there's some reports in an anonymous NFC agent. I mean, an anonymous NFC executive came out and said, Hey, Joe Burrow's, uh, his, he has question marks. His arm, uh, arm, not that strong. Not so sure about him. I don't know how he fits. I don't know how he works out. With Joe Burrow, and, I, and I've been watching him. I've been watching, you know, I watched him. I watched him at, you know, during his one year, his one great year at LSU. Uh, and he, he had a great year. He had a great year, but he also, I looked at who he played with. Um, I, now, I think, now, I'm not saying Joe Burrow can't play. I think he can play. But when I look at him as a, as a, as a, as a, as a prospect, he's a B prospect. He's a B. He's a B plus prospect. He's a B, he's a B plus prospect. I, I like him. Um, he, he's 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 really he tends to be very accurate. He doesn't have problems with his accuracy. Uh, I would question his arm strength, his 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 escapability, him being able to improvise after when the pocket breaks down, and that's and that's all I've been seeing, and that's a key thing that I have noticed in Joe Burrow. And you know, and watching some uh, some tape of him and some of his last year's games, LSU with Joe Brady and those talented receivers who are really talented. You got one. You got one that's going the first round of this. Who's probably gonna go in the first round or early second round of this year's draft. And then you have a good. And then they have a receiver down there that's a first rounder next year uh, that he played with. Just 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 good. But I look at some of his 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 some of his good throws, some of his bad throws. Uh, when his good throws, he has a clean pocket in front of him. I see, you know, when he, he he makes quick reads, and he's accurate. He's very accurate with those quick reads that he make. But I see I, I see a guy that's making quick reads that knows where he wants to go with the ball. Uh, now his first, I don't know how he is with progressions because. He was thrown to open guys. He's been, he was thrown to open guys, and I'm not I'm not gonna say that uh, I'm not gonna make the same argument that I made with Jalen Hurts with uh, Lincoln Riley. What I did last year, I mean, what I did last week when I said Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley, he it's a, it's a little gimmicky. Uh, the Big Twelve don't play real defense because that just wouldn't be a, that, that's not a valid argument because I talked about how. The SEC has some NFL type guys um, on a lot of teams, so I can't make that argument. But what I am gonna say is, with Burrow, I worry about his escapability. I worry about what happens when the pocket breaks down, because I, I'm watching him. And you can go back and look at the Florida game. You can look at the Clemson game. I'm looking at him, and every time and. Thankfully, the pocket, he had a great old line in front of him, um, and these receivers are getting open. But I worry about him and his escapability. How, like, athletically, we may be overrating his athleticism. Because when the pocket breaks down in Florida, Florida, they've had a lot of great defensive defensive players get drafted in in the league. Um, And they're going to have some this year and the following year. But when I look at him, every time the pocket broke down or, you know, it, it was collapsing and he has to escape pressure, it doesn't look good. It, lo- it doesn't look too good. He, he, struggles to get, he struggles to get out. He struggles to get out of there. And that's where I worry about his, with his athleticism. Arm strength as well. 
doesn't have the biggest arm. And now there's nothing wrong with that because there's a lot of quarterbacks in the league that are really good and don't have the strongest quote unquote arm. There's a lot of guys that, that don't have the strongest arm but are really, really good quarterbacks. But when I'm, when, when, you know, he's playing in Cincinnati, so a lot of cold weather. October, November, December, it's going to get real cold. It's going to get real windy. So that is what I'm looking at, and that is what I'm looking for with Joe Burrow. I'm trying to just see how he, how he predicts, how he looks, and how he would look in Cincinnati with, you know, cold weather throughout most of the, throughout most of the football season. Bad O-lines. So bad O-lines. He's not the most athletic guy. He struggles a little bit when the pocket breaks down. And then you take an account of the cold weather. He plays in a cold weather city. He play and he, in his division, nothing but cold weather. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. You play those. You play those. You play those teams late in the year, November, December. It's frigid. It's cold. Those winds are gusty. I worried about his arm strength. I don't know. I, I don't. And I'm not. I'm not saying he's gonna be a bust. Because I don't think he's going to be a bust. But it does not help that he's going to Cincinnati because I don't think he's talented. I don't think he's a talented enough a guy. I don't think he's, enough, I don't think he's talented enough where he could overcome the, 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 the dysfunction that Cincinnati is. I don't think he's that ta- I don't think he's that big of a talent. But he is a B plus. He, he's a, and I'm not saying he's going to be bad. I'm not saying he's not good. But... There's some red flags there. I still have question marks. You played with a great play caller, a great play designer in college with Joe Brady. You played with some phenomenal receivers, some first-round receivers, great O-line at LSU, great back. That's all I'm saying. Uh, he, he, he's had a lot of things go his way. And in, 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 in this league, in the NFL, typically as a young quarterback on a bad team, things don't go your way. So that's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm asking for with Joe Burrow. Uh, I, don't, I don't want people to take this out of context, but that's all I'm asking. I, I, we're going we're to move on to the next topic. Oh, I, I just found this joy, this doc just be so great. And I don't know if you, and you guys, I think you guys know, everybody should know. But, of course, when Jordan came into the league and got drafted by the Bulls coming out of North Carolina, Nike took a chance on him. And get this, Nike had a, they had an opportunity to, to, they had three ways to get out of Michael Jordan's first sneaker deal. It was first, didn't win rookie of the year. It was second, didn't make an all-star game or average 20 points. Or third, lastly, didn't sell over $4 million in shoes by his third year. Well, Michael had accomplished all three, and Nike sold $70 million in his first two months. So, <laughs> so that, I, I, I find that amazing. And, and if you look at with Jordan, if you look at with Jordan and the Bulls, I mean, so... Uh, Amar Rashad, according to Amar Rashad, a longtime journal, a longtime reporter, journalist, uh, he he he's notably known for covering Jordan and being, you know, Jordan's right hand man. And he comes out and says, "Hey, so he, he addresses the rumors about Michael Jordan um, releasing the doc, uh, or or there, there's been some reports about Jordan wanting to release the doc." Uh, once LeBron won his third title in 2016 with the Cavaliers. Because, hey, once LeBron had came back from that 3-1 lead, 3-1 deficit over uh, the, the Warriors in 2016, there was, the, there, was the, there was already conversations, but then the conversation had even like, got bigger and there was, more, there was much more to add to the LeBron, quote-unquote, argument of being the greatest of all time so because he had the third ring he had won the ring in cleveland he had beat the 73 and 9 warriors and not only did he beat them but he came back to win 
from a, he came back from a three one deficit. So everybody's like, oh, LeBron is definitely best now. LeBron, LeBron's definitely the greatest now. He, he, he and with LeBron, it, I, and it certainly helps his it, it helps his case with him being the bigger athlete, the bigger man, the bigger uh though what the when I say athlete, I mean like as far as physical appearance, uh his, you know the skills and and already already point about point out with LeBron he's gonna end up as probably he's he's probably gonna finish as the all time leading scorer in NBA history he's gonna be top five in assists he's gonna be top ten in rebounds so statistically he's gonna he, he's probably gonna get Michael Jordan statistically he's already passed Jordan in scoring he did that he did that about a year ago. So he's gonna. So he's just gonna. He's numbers wise, his numbers it, it, they're gonna be far more better because he's just been better longer. But not also has he been just better longer. That's because that's just that's just not it. But with LeBron, he's just he, his consistency and him not um, him not facing any injuries have just been phenomenal. It's been it's been it's been good. So uh, so he says. So Amara Shaw comes out and said, "Hey." The, this this doc this last dance documentary, it it, it was not released um, be, due to a, you know because of LeBron winning the title. It was not it was not released. Now I don't know why I don't know I don't, I, I don't know another reason why it was it, it was released. But with Jordan is saying, hey, you we released the documentary. You go look at it. It's it's in depth. It, it documents. It, it it has. It's documented, and there's video evidence of video video evidence of our last year, the last dance, the last year he was a boy, the last year they won that title, the sixth title, and you you choose the resumes, you choose the 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 you know the proof and the pudding and the the body of work that both of them had put in, and you you choose who the greatest is. Um, most people, most people would say Jordan. Then, like I said, you have, you have some people that says LeBron, heavy on LeBron. You have people that's heavy on LeBron. But another thing with this doc, and let me, let me, let me say this, because I want to address two things. This doc is really good. I love it. This doc, this doc is really good. I love it. I, I, I love it. I love what I saw, and even though uh, most of the most of the things that were brought up in parts one and two, like I said, I, I pretty already had prior knowledge of, but it it was good. It was good. It was good to have that video evidence. Um, it was good to see the in depth um, conversations, the behind the scenes conversations, then what happens. Uh, you know, just doing throughout the regular season and what happens in those type of in, in those type of settings. That was great to see. That if you did not know that, if you didn't have already hands-on experience with that, it was great to see. But let's 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 let's. Why do we love dynasties? We love super teams. We love dynasties and we love super teams. So I I, I just don't like the fact when people say, "Hey, I, I you know dynasties." No, I don't want to see no super team. Super teams. There is nothing wrong with super teams. There's nothing wrong with super teams, and and we we love the I don't know why, but I feel like America loves dynasties. We love to root against them, but we love dynasties. Nobody talks about the '70s Wizards. Yeah, they won a title. We don't we don't talk about the '70s Wizards or the '70s Bullets. We don't talk about the '70s Seattle SuperSonics. We 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 don't we don't we don't talk about the seventies Blazers. We don't talk about the two thousand eleven Mavericks. Great, I mean historical run, great run, way to beat that Heat team. But um, I I, I don't I, I I can I can care less. Like I I'm all for hard work, but I don't want to watch it. Like <laughs> I'm all for hard work and striving for hard work and doing the best, the absolute best. But um, yeah, I, you can say the 2011 Dallas Mavericks uh, story. I don't want to see that story. Uh, give me the story and give me the doc where I can see behind the scenes what was going on with the Warriors. Give me the give me the doc where I can see what was going on behind the, the what was going on behind the 90s Bulls. Give me that. I don't I don't 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 don't, don't try to feed me the the the. So I, 
I get it. Underdog story. You know, people act. They they try to people try to act like I don't know. But Americans they try to act like they love the the underdog story. But that's tr- that's that's truly not it. That's truly not it. That 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 that, that is wrong. Because you guys don't watch the underdog stories, and then you say, "Oh, the super teams—they gotta be organic. They gotta be organic. They gotta—they gotta happen naturally." Okay, uh, the Spurs drafted everybody. The Spurs drafted Duncan. The Spurs, the Spurs drafted Parker. The Spurs drafted Mano- Ginobili, and they—they they drafted D- David Robinson. So it's like, you, you guys don't. You, those the, when the, when the Spurs are winning titles. You know, after the three pre Lakers, and you know when the Spurs were winning titles, the finals was at its lowest. That was the lowest rated. They had the lowest rated finals. The Spurs, and you guys say you want to see the dynasties created organically. So I, I, I just don't know. I, I just don't know with, with Americans. I don't know because well, I do know, but I, I don't get. I don't understand you guys' premise when you say, "Oh, we." Uh, I don't like New England. I, I can't tell. Every time the wings in the Super Bowls, ratings are sky high. Ratings are sky high. Ratings are sky high every time New England, New England's is. Anytime the Patriots on TV, people watch. With Brady and Belichick, people watch. It's you know, it's not gonna be that. It's not gonna people not gonna watch now because no Brady. But people watched when when the Patriots in the Super Bowl and you had Brady and you had Belichick. People tuned in. No matter how much you hate them, so people, so I don't, I don't understand it when we say, "Oh, we don't like dynasties. We don't want dynasties." The Warriors, no, the the, the Warriors drafted everybody. They just went, they they drafted everybody. That's how they were able to afford Kevin Durant. They drafted Curry. They drafted Klay Thompson. They drafted Draymond in the second round. So, uh, so uh, I mean that that that's organic too. They just they just went out and spent money because they had they they had the money. To spend to get Kevin Durant. So when we say we don't like dynasties, I I, I turn the other way. I turn I, I I turn the other way when people say, "Oh, we don't like dynasties. We don't like dynasties." Um, what do you mean? What, what, what do you mean don't like dynasties? Well, in the seventies, the seventy in the seventies, in the NBA in the seventies, we had nine different championship champions. We had nine different champions in the seventies. Finals coming on tape delay. Nobody's watching the finals. Uh, but you guys don't like you guys don't like dynasties. Eighties Lakers, eighties Lakers, nineties Bulls. <laughs> you know, two thousand early two thousand Lakers rating sky high, rating sky high for NBA finals. Fi- finals coming. It's not coming on tape delay. So I don't I don't understand people's premise when they say, oh we we I don't like dynasties. Dynasties are bad for the game. What do you, what 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 are you talking about? What what are you talking about? So when anytime people say you don't like they don't like dynasties, turn the other head, turn the other way, because that's completely false. People love dynasties. People people like hard work. People they, they talk about hard work, but they, they you don't want to see hard work. You want to see the stars come together. You want to see a great performance with the stars or the egos or the personalities. You want to see that. You're all in for that because that's what people are all in for. I just don't like the fact when people say, oh, ah, oh my gosh, LeBron teamed up with D-Way. I don't like that. Durant teamed up with the war. I, what, what? You like that. You're all for that. You're all for that. Another thing that happened in this doc, um, the long deals. I, I, I talked about this with the baseball matter because in the MLB, we often see uh, guys like Bryce Harper and uh, Joey Votto, uh, and, and, and <laughs> we see we see these guys take these major long de- these ten and twelve and thirteen year deals in baseball. Um, I'm usually not the biggest component. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not with that. I usually don't like those long term contracts because it's like. You're paying them. You're paying players. Owners are paying players on what they've did, what they're done, instead of like what what are they going to do for your team. They paying they paying players of what happened past tense and not thinking about the future. So and and and, and those long term deals, those eight and seven and ten year deals. You don't know what the player is going to. Some some players peak early. Some players peak late. 
Some players have injuries. Some players are injury prone. So those, those typically those long term deals are bad for your franchise. Typically, those as a fan, you shouldn't root for those long term deals. I don't know why people try to act like they love those long those long term deals. But typically, as a fan, you should not root for those long term deals with a, with a player. Typically, because you because essentially you're paying him what he's done instead of paying him what or her <laughs> um, what what they're going to do. That's that's what you're doing. That's essentially what you're doing. Um, so, but you look at um, the doc yesterday. Scotty signed a seven-year deal, and Jordan signed an eight-year deal. Now, you're probably like, oh, well, you don't like long-term deals. Well, those are probably the best long-term deals in sports history. Those are probably the best long-term deals in sports history because Jordan signed that eight-year deal in 1988, so from 88 to 96. He, uh, obviously, he was the best player in that time span. And, and from 1988, from, from, I mean, from 86 to to his last game as a bull, Jordan was the best player in basketball. No, without a shot of a doubt. So, and then Scotty was probably the second best player in basketball. So those learn to, those now that could be considered an outlier when we're talking about those type of deals. But um, certainly those type of deals are really good. Those are the deals that you want. Those are the deals that you aim for. Uh, those are the deals that you see. Uh, that you see a lot of baseball players get, that doesn't really happen in the NFL or in the NBA, where you get where you get eight and nine and ten year deals. You usually don't see that in the NBA. You usually see that more often in baseball. Usually every off season with a big time notable notable player. Usually you see those eight, seven, nine year those seven, eight, nine year, ten year deals and contracts. Uh, that they that that these teams and players agree to, uh, and and from a player's aspect, why would you? I, I don't I don't know I I don't know, but eight ten years that's a long deal. But the the the, the Bulls made so much money in that time frame. Um, just I, I mean they they those deals were were worthless. Jordan's deal was an eight year twenty five million dollar deal, and Scotty's deal was a seven year eighteen million dollar deal. You look at those deals and those contracts and the money that the Bulls had calculated over that time frame and that time span, those deals were chump, was, was chump change, which, uh, which, was, which was expressed in the dock last night. So uh, I have more. We got some Tua news, some Tua and some Patriots news. We're going to close out with that, but um, I'm going to take a break uh, shortly and we're going to close out with that Tua and Brady news. So, <clears throat> multiple reports came out, and I've been seeing mock drafts as well. So, like I, we talked about Joe Burrow a little bit, and you know, and particularly, I've been seeing drafts, mock drafts, uh, you know, all the mock drafts you can think of, possibly think of. Two is sliding, two is dropping, because teams are hesitant about the injury. We've talked about two on multiple occasions, but people are gonna be. People are going to be entertained, and there's multiple reports coming out and saying, hey, San Francisco, they are, they are willing to trade that 13th pick. The Patriots are willing. They, the, the, the Patriots may be aggressive if, if Tua slides, okay? So the Patriots are going to be aggressive if Tua slides. The Patriots, 
if the Patriots say we're, we're going to be aggressive in the 49ers, in the 49ers, once they came out, report came out earlier, and I was I was not surprised by it, but I want to see what transpires and what happens during draft day uh, when their pick comes up. Because now they are saying they are interested in trading down um, and using that 13th, you know, trading that 13th pick. That 13th, you know, that first, that first round 13th pick. They are interested in trading that. Okay. So now what I'm looking at, what we have here, two teams. 49ers and Patriots. And you're like, oh, what about them? Okay. Belichick, Shanahan family, locked in. Belichick, Belichick, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan have a great rapport. You guys forgot Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers? Oh, yeah. So this league is all about building connections, building relationships, making these type of moves. If the Patriots were to make a type of were to make this type of move, where they would move up in exchange for the 49ers' 13th pick and two of slides, that would just be another indication. That would be another example of the smart franchises, the well-ran franchises, getting a hit up on the bad franchises, beating up on the bad franchises, the rich getting richer. Um, too often in the draft, we think in the NFL draft, we think about the first, the second pick. We th- we think about the top picks, but when it's but with the quarterback position, many of these great quarterbacks, these all-time great quarterbacks that we love, even Tom Brady himself, they get picked late. They get picked late. You know, there's not many there's not many quarterback stories where you draft them number one overall and it's an automatic splash. It, it's just that's that just not how it works. You know, you have you have your you have your stories where you have your your outliers where things happen. Number one draft pick, it works out. Andrew Luck, it worked out for for how long for however long it did. It worked out. It was a good pick. But even Andrew Luck didn't last this long. So, and, you know, number one picks, <clears throat> having a number one overall pick, having a number one overall pick and drafting the quarterback, mm, I would probably deem it underrated. To this day, we now, to this day, now seeing what Patrick Mahomes is and now seeing what Deshaun Watson is, fans beat up on the Bears and say, how could you pass up on these guys? How could you trade up in the draft for Mitch Trubisky and not even look at Deshaun Watson? Not even look at Patrick Mahomes. Now, teams are banging on on the Bears. Lamar Jackson was the last pick of the first round last year or two years ago. Splash. Automatic splash. Russell Wilson. Fourth rounder. Dak, fourth rounder. There's so many franchise quarterbacks, so many good franchise quarterbacks. I don't think we've never seen this many franchise quarterbacks all at one time. I, I, I just don't franchise caliber. Now, now there's, there's a difference between elite, being elite, you know, being you know top five, superstardom. There's a difference. But there's a lot of franchise quarterbacks. There's a lot of quarterbacks that you, would, you, you wouldn't mind – being your quarterback of your team for five to six years, and he'll win you some ball games. There's a lot of those guys out there in the league, and I don't think you've seen this. I don't think you've seen this many guys in the league at the same time at this caliber. So this would be quarterbacks dropping to good coaches or good teams. This would be another example of this if New England was to pull off a move up of this of such magnitude. This will be another move that we'll look at and say, hey, oh, nobody to health concerns were red flags. The bad teams passed on them. And it seems like it, it always seems like these bad teams, they always have number one pick. Browns, they have number one pick. The Jets have number one. They, they it seems like they always have these top picks. 
the Browns, Jets, Jaguars. The, the Jaguars have made it very apparent that they are tanking. They are tanking for Trevor Lawrence. They are tanking. They have made it, they have made it clear that they are tanking. They have made it so bluntly clear. They've traded away Jalen Ramsey. Trade, their, their possible rumor came up, report came up, hey, they want to trade Leonard Fournette. They're trading away their best players. They're trading away their best players. And they're starting the season off. They're probably going to start the season off with Gardner Minshew. They are clearly tanking for Trevor Lawrence. But this, if Tua was to drop to the Patriots, if he was to slide this far in the draft outside of the top 10 and the Patriots play aggressive and they go up to number 13, which is not out of the question because we know this is very possible with the 49ers and the Patriots and their earlier and their, and their past doings when it comes to quarterbacks in their past deals when it comes to quarterbacks. We know the correlation there. So this would be another example of bad teams not making the right decision, not doing enough homework, and the good teams taking a chance, the rich getting richer, the good teams, good quarterbacks, the good coaches, the quarterbacks are dropping and falling to these good coaches. Dan Marino failed at Don Shula. Russell Wilson failed at Pete Curl. Aaron Rodgers failed and went into a, a, a Packers organization, a Packer team with some great weapons and a, a great foundation laid out. This is usually what happens. This is usually what happens in draft. Uh, we got the draft coming up this week. We're all draft. We're all draft. And be, be, just, just pay close attention to the small moves. The small moves, everybody's going to talk about the big-time moves, the number one pick, the top ten picks. They're going to talk about Everybody's going to talk about that. Everybody's going to talk about the top-tier picks. But be careful and look out for those small deals um, in this week's draft coming up on the 23rd. Um, so without further ado, thank you guys for listening and tuning in to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. I see, I see a lot of, I see a lot of new, I see a lot of new teams, a lot of new uniforms for some of these teams. Uh, I saw the Browns latest. You know, they're trying to take it back. They're trying to throw back to the, the to the old days of their, you know, of their glory days, as they call it, quote unquote. I don't know who was around for the Browns' glory days. Let me know if you were around. For the Bulls' glory days, for the Bulls, I mean, for the Browns' glory days. I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry. Let me know if you were if you were around, if you were living, if you saw the Browns in their glory days. Let me know. I have not. Uh, I don't think I will. Um, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people have. So let me know if you have. Um, but without further ado, thank you guys for listening, tuning in uh, from any platform that you do it from, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, any other app that you have downloaded, any other podcast app that you have downloaded to access this platform, this episode, this podcast, so forth. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in. Um, I greatly appreciate it. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay clean, uh, practice social distancing and all those good little terms, those cool little terms that we have been um, that we've been learning, uh, but without further, thank you, thank you, uh, and always remember, two choices, one decision, I'm out, peace.